Well, good morning, everyone. We are glad that everyone is here today. We're going to just give them a few seconds to come in from the cafe. And hopefully everyone had a good week and is warming up a little bit now. But we're excited that you're here this morning. Did you have a good week? A couple of you did. (laughs) Awesome. Well, will you stand with me? We're going to start our service off this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and we're just going to welcome the Holy Spirit in. All right? So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning, and we just ask you to come into this place with us, Lord, and feel welcome. We want you here this morning, Holy Spirit, and we just want you to take over, just settle our hearts and our minds down so we can focus on who you are. Lord, I just pray that we will honor you this morning and that we will enjoy your presence, Jesus. We thank you for being here, Lord, and um, we just give you all the praise and the glory for everything that you're going to do this morning in and through us and around us, Jesus. So settle our hearts down. Help our minds get in tune to with you and and where you're going to take us and teach us today. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts will open up to you and what your spirit wants to say. So we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right. When we sing to 
You may be seated. You know, that song describes the church, doesn't it? The body of Christ. Let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Let me serve you. Let me help you. And you know what? When I need help, I'm going to allow you to serve me too. That is the body of Christ, the church. Well, I am so excited to receive some incredible new members today. And I am going to invite those who are coming into membership, either by transfer or by first time, to come on up. I invite you to come forward. Stand just right here and face me. They have gone through NAS 101 learned the articles of faith and the secret handshake, all of that that goes along with membership. And we're so excited to welcome them here. And Richard and Barbara, who are pastors, retired pastors from Kansas, they actually taught our last NAS 101 class, and they're coming in by, um, by transfer. We have Bev and Roland Hopp who are coming in, uh, and we're so excited about them. They are our new communion stewards, and we're so happy to welcome them into the church. You might recognize this young lady here, Leisha. She and Keith are both coming in today, and she, of course, has been here and has served here for many years, and we are so excited about her coming into membership. And, of course, Andrew, his wife, Crystal, is working, but we welcome them. They're new small group leaders, and they're getting involved here, and we're so glad that they're a part, coming in as a part of our church family. So I'm going to read this, and they are going to say the I do's and the I wills wherever I, whenever I prompt them. Dearly beloved, the privileges and blessings that we have in community together in the church are sacred and precious. In fact, there is in such hallowed fellowship, care, and counsel as cannot otherwise be known apart from us, the family of God. There is the godly care of pastors with the teachings of the word and the inspiration of corporate worship like we're enjoying today and there is cooperation in service accomplishing that which cannot otherwise be done today we affirm again the doctrines and practices of the church we believe in one god father son and holy spirit we believe that all human beings are born in sin and that they need the work of forgiveness through christ and the new birth by the Holy Spirit, that subsequent to this, there is the deeper work of heart cleansing or entire sanctification through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that to each of these works, the grace of the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return. Amen? Amen. The dead shall be raised and that all shall come to final judgment with its rewards and punishments. Those coming into membership this morning, do you believe these truths? If so, answer, I do. Amen. And do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you believe that he has saved you? 
If so, answer, I do by faith. Amen. Desiring to unite with the Church of the Nazarene, do you commit to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself? Do you commit to the mission of God as expressed in the doctrine, fellowship, and work of the Church of the Nazarene? Will you support the teachings of the church and strive with God's help to grow in your understanding and practice of the same in a way that enhances the witness of the church? Will you endeavor in every way to glorify God by a humble walk, by godly conversation, and holy service, by giving of your resources, and by faithfully participating in the means of grace. Will you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life, abstain from all evil, and seek earnestly to perfect holiness of heart and life in the fear of the Lord? If so, answer, I will. Amen. I welcome you into the Church of the Nazarene and the fellowship of this local congregation with its benefits and its responsibilities. May the great head of the church, Jesus Christ, bless and keep you and enable you to be faithful in all good works that your life and witness may be effective in care for the poor and the oppressed and in leading others to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so very much for sending Jesus to be the head of the church. Oh, Father, we thank you so very much for Jesus who understands what it's like to be here on earth. We thank you, Lord, that he is here with us and that he is leading us and that he is guiding us. We thank you, Father, for, being the, for the privilege of being the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for this group of believers that we can serve one another that we can serve our community, that we can love you and love our neighbor. Thank you for enabling us to do that. And I thank you, Father, for each one that is coming into membership today. I pray, Father, that you will bless them, continue to fill them with your spirit, continue to fill them with your love, and help them in all ways to grow in their knowledge of you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to just turn around and face the congregation. Our children can follow Sharon. She's waving the flag back there to go back to Kids Church. And I just invite each and every one to come up, welcome our new members um, here today, and welcome each other. Thank you. morning. Whoa.
sound of the church greeting each other is a beautiful sound. You can have a seat when you're ready. The family is growing. That's a good thing. Amen. You have a bulletin there this morning with a contact a connection card in it. Pull those out, and if there's any change in your contact info, if you're new with us this morning, you have a prayer request, there's an opportunity to share that on the flip side. Uh, you can be doing that. I had hoped to have a video of Diane Allen this morning, but that didn't work out, and I'll just tell you what she told me. She's getting out of uh, the hospital and rehab after 47 straight days, and uh, getting out today... Really excited about being home. She's uh, going to be a part of uh, some cutting-edge treatment that they're hopeful for here in March. And I think later, uh, Larry King is going to pray for her. And that she passes some tests this week, and you could be praying for her too. But she wanted to share that with you, and thank you for your prayers and your love, the contact that you've made with her. Uh, we're just grateful for what God's doing for Diane and Gary. Now, this isn't all that happens in the life and ministry of W.P. Naz, you know that, right? This is a, an important time, but we've got stuff happening all week, and I've got a few pictures. Last Sunday night, that was a great time, Super Bowl party, all ages, too bad uh, regarding the Eagles. Uh, I'm a little sore about that, but hey, that was a good time. Last uh, Saturday, we had a great primetimers event just down the hall, thanks to those that uh, led that and pulled that off. Uh, in fact, if you're a primetimer and want to host one of those events, you could do it here or at your home or somewhere else. See Nancy Springston. She'd love to have some additional hosts. Now, keep that picture up there. This past uh, primetimers thing, they had us bring wedding pictures and old pictures. And can anyone, oh, I was going to say, can anyone guess who that is? The name's already there. Aren't they looking good? That was a few years ago, but it was a great time. And yesterday, uh, Barbara Fritz uh, led, planned a great time for the ladies, and uh, there you see a couple pictures there. Uh, Jean Place spoke, maybe Rebecca Bayless as well, and just a good, good time. Uh, lots of good stuff happening around here, amen, and we're grateful for each and every one of it. I'm going to show off a few grandbabies right here during uh, this segment. There are uh, Bernie and Frank Vale grandkids, aren't those cute? 
cuties. It's been a couple weeks since I've really shown off our grandbaby. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. And then the newest granddaughter, just born a couple of days ago. Now, as of this picture, she did not have a name. They were naming her this morning, and rumor has it the mom and dad were not agreeing. But I did get a text a few minutes ago. I don't know that this is official, but Charlotte May, I think, is her name. So there you have it, Scott and Kathy Meyer granddaughter. That's a good thing. Four quick announcements. Cindy Rumsey is needing some women with heavy-duty scissors. Check the bulletin for details. That's this week. Uh, small group sign-ups continue today, right back there on the table. And if you're, like, re-upping in a group that you're normally a part of, sign up again just to give us some idea of who's involved in each small group. And no better way to get to know each other and grow in your faith and and all the rest than uh, being a part of that smaller group fellowship. Uh, alabaster boxes are around. You guys remember what alabaster is? It's in print in your bulletin. An offering that we take twice a year as Nazarenes that goes 100% to build buildings all around the world. Hospitals, parsonages, and so on. So pick up a box and in the next couple of weeks bring that back full of change, cash, big checks, and all the rest. This Wednesday, I think, is a WPNAS first. We're going to have an Ash Wednesday service right here in uh, this space, and that kicks off the Lenten season. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in the message that I want to bring to you today. But right here in this space, 6.30 this coming Wednesday, an Ash Wednesday service that uh, Kelly and Lori are going to be leading. So looking forward to that. Lots of other good information in your bulletin there, so take a look at it, take that home, uh, tape it up on your refrigerator or something, and uh, keep pace with the good things that are happening around here. Grateful for it. I'm going to ask one of our newest members, Richard Sundermeyer, to come. He's going to read scripture before we take the offering today. I'm reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 85. Adonai, Lord, you have poured out amazing blessings on this land. You have restored the fortunes of Israel and forgiven the sins of your people. Can I get an amen? Yes, covered each one of them so that all of your wrath, your blazing anger, is now ended. Now bring us back to loving you, O Lord, so that your anger will never need rise against us again. Or will you always be angry on and on to distant generations? O revive us. Pour out your love and kindness on us, Lord, and grant us your salvation. The word of the Lord. We're going to receive God's offerings that you are giving to him. Would the ushers please come? And I will pray and then we'll receive. Father, we thank you for your abundant blessing in our lives and the opportunity that we have to honor you with 
our, our tithes, but also with our offerings. So God, we give these back to you in appreciation and recognition that God, it's all from you anyway. God, use it and bless it for your kingdom. And God, I just speak into every one of us a release of your bounty in everything that we put our hand to through Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I was excited to get here this morning to worship him, and we've had a really wonderful time as a worship team, just focusing on welcoming our, our Holy Spirit, our Father, and Jesus in this morning. So we've warmed it up for you guys, and now he's just waiting for you to do it with us. So we're excited about it. Are you ready? <laughs> here we go.
morning, family of God. I want to encourage you, you can sit down if you'd like. I want to encourage you to get out a pen. I'm going to give you some of the prayer requests. We're going to pray for them together. But there's a lot of work to be done, and we get to participate in some of the needs that are in our family here and some of the needs that are happening around the world. So I I want you to participate and be a part of that, uh, not just this morning, but uh, in this next coming week. We have some serious business in our our congregation with the the board meeting again with uh, Dr. Ashton on Wednesday, and they're going to be uh, I think there, there might be a couple more uh, resumes for them to look at. We really want the Lord to find the right person for us, a fit that's, that's going to help us to flourish. An encourager, somebody that's going to walk in here who has a heart for God and loves you all and even me. And we want to we want somebody that's going to care for the sheep here but has a heart for this community. Would you make that a part of your prayer that we have someone who just doesn't care about the job taking care of us but has a heart for the community of Woodland Park. I believe God wants us to be a impact player and what's going on. Have you paid attention to uh, the revival that's happening in Kentucky and three or four other college campuses? It's spread. Lori and I have talked about that quite a bit back and forth. We kind of have a yearning that might take us to go there. But here's my here's my heart. Why there? Why not here? Why not now? Holy Spirit, come here. Work in us. Empower us. We're so hungry for you. Come. We'll never be the same. And who would want to be when we've experienced your presence working in our lives? As my friend Mike would say, fill us with that liquid love that we can't resist. Father, we come as a congregation to Remember the people around the world, particularly in Syria and in Turkey. The search is ongoing. Thousands and thousands of deaths. And yet they find people after 10 days under that rubble that live. We pray for those who are workers from around the world that are there participating in the rescue effort removing the debris. 
can't imagine that loss. The number of people that'll end up just being orphans. I pray that besides the sweat of the brow that the rescuers put forth here, Lord, that the message of your great love and care for all peoples would be proclaimed. Father, we come and lift up our, our uh, parts of our, our body here, Scott and Kathy Myers' family, daughter Sharon, and gone through a long, long labor to have this little baby girl and uh, pray for uh, them, Lord, that, that uh, Sharon uh, re- recovers from this uh, C-section quickly that you just bless that family. And they have another daughter in Denver who's just about to give birth. We pray for them as well. Be at work in their lives. We, we want to come and lift Diane to you, Lord, a, a wonderful part of our body. We pray for Diane Allen for... Gary, her husband, who's been supportive and with her all the way through this, uh, that there were some hoops that needed to be jumped through, Lord, so that she would qualify for this new treatment. I know she has great faith. We just ask that you work miraculously in her behalf. Lord, you speak the word, and cancer can be washed from her body, just flushed. You're almighty and your strength hasn't diminished, Lord. We're thankful we have a God to come to who who loves us and has compassion on us. We ask your blessings on her. Pray for Galen's sister who had a stroke, Father. Her name is Pearl. We just want to stand in agreement for her. Bless that family and encourage them. You're the author of life. You're our hope, our Savior. You're the one who goes before us and makes a way. You're the rear guard who protects us, Lord. You're our source, our provider. You're almighty. And you're good. the one who hung the stars on nothing and knows them all by name and yet you know each one of us by name also. We invite you, Lord. To reign in our lives. We're kingdom people. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We don't have to wait for death to that to happen. We're here now. You desire to use us and we're your people. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that you'd let our light shine. That we would impact people if we're standing in the line at the grocery store or rubbing shoulders with people at Walmart. 
that the church of Jesus Christ would go beyond these walls and we'd live big out there. We come back here and get replenished and encouraged, but our mission field is beyond these walls, Lord. We bring our hearts to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're holy and righteous. And I thank you that you've called each of us to participate with you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Often when I'm preaching, Larry will text me the night before, the morning of, give him heaven. I had planned to do that this morning, actually, to preach about heaven, but I think I'm going to go another direction. Thinking about this pastoral search, I remembered someone uh, years ago saying, when nothing's happening, something's happening. I don't think that's true. That could be true of some of the situations you're facing when you wonder if anything's happening. Something's happening. I also thought that the weight that uh, you've had and uh, Kelly and I have had may have more to do than with the pastoral search itself. Maybe it's about us. Maybe God has some more work to do here. Maybe it's about me. Maybe 11 months into a stint in Woodland Park is about changes God wants to make in me. You just never quite know what God is doing. As Scott Meyer said last week, uh, could we have the lights up too, please? As Scott Meyer said last week, uh, let's be patient. Let's wait upon the Lord. He's working. And he's working for our good. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. So I had some good time with the Lord yesterday uh, morning. I'm basically going to preach from my journal today. I was thinking about revival. Now why would I be thinking about revival? I uh, like to join online back home at our previous church and the new lead pastor there, our old youth pastor and my friend, uh, got up and said something of the same kind of thing this morning. Um, revival, that's how the continuous chapel service now in its 11th day at Asbury University, Wilmore, Kentucky is being described, Revival. I read an article yesterday by a Baptist pastor who said revival is one of the most misused and misunderstood words in the language of the church. And that, uh, that very well may be. I'd be interested this morning, a little audience participation. When you hear the word revival, what do you, what do you think of? Shout out an answer or raise a hand so I look at you. What comes to mind? 
the energy of God, total surrender, that's certainly our part in that, transformation, yep, good, awakening, conviction, faith, humility, Cyril, evangelizing, I asked my 84-year-old mom who has grown up in the Church of the Nazarene in my conversation with her on the phone last night, I said, okay, mom, going to help me with my message tomorrow. I'm going to say a word for you, and I want you to, to tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. I said, are you ready? She says, yeah. I said, revival, first thing out of her mouth, a thing of the past. Now, for my mom as a Nazarene, she would think, and it came out in the conversation as we continued to talk about that, those twice-a-year, one- or two-week-long revival services when a fiery evangelist would come in and preach hellfire and brimstone. My mom said she was at the altar every single night of every revival she was ever attending as a young person. Well, for our purposes today, let's define revival or to revive something that brings back to life. To bring back a spiritual life, fervor, zeal, passion, depth, love that has grown weak, cold, or dead. That would be a decent definition of revival. Amen? It made me think of the uh, seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, that last book of the Bible, and three of them in particular. Revelation chapter 2 at verse 4 the message of God to the church in Ephesus, yet I hold this against you. And there were some good things about that church. Yet I hold this against you, the Lord said. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. In Revelation chapter 3, the church in Sardis these are the words of the Lord to that church. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Later in that same chapter, the church of Laodicea. I've heard this text preached from a few times over the course of my life in the church. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the rulers of God's, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And then down at verse 19, the Lord says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Then those beautiful words, that invitation of Jesus, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter in and eat with him and he with me. I thought of the words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, in the context of uh, 
what it means to live as children of light. At verse 14, he writes, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. To revive is to bring back to life, to bring back a spiritual life, fervor, zeal, passion, depth, love that has grown weak, cold, or dead. Those passages and other passages that we'll look at in just a moment tell me that revival is for us, his people, his church. Repentance seems to be the key. Turning from sin and turning or returning to God. I bet you know Second Chronicles 7.14, don't you? If my people who are called by my name, my people, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I thought of Peter and John's preaching, Acts chapter 3. At verse 9, Peter said, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ. Repentance is a key to revival, turning from sin, sins of commission. Are you familiar with that phrase? Um, Things that we do that are against the will of God or sins of omission. There's one we don't pay attention to quite as much. Things that we are called to do that we're not doing. James says that. Uh, To him who knows to do good and doeth it not, I'm quoting King James Version there, to him it is sin. And how do we know what we're not to do or what we are to do? (laughs) Well, right here. It's right here in the Scriptures. And times of revival have always been characterized by a serious hearing and heeding of the Word of God. I thought about 2 Kings chapter 22. I think it was the reign of Josiah, one of the few good kings in that uh, period of time in which the uh, nation of Israel was divided. And during a renovation uh, project in the temple, 2 Kings chapter 22, lo and behold, they found the book of the law. Now imagine that. It had been years since they had seen it. Am I too loud out there, by the way? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Knock me down a little bit or I'm going to have people plugging their ears. Thank you, Doc. Because I might get a little louder here as we go. I'll try not to. Imagine here at WP Naz if you had, uh, like, you were cleaning out the storage closets on a cleanup day. And somebody came out and they said, look what I found, the Bible. And it had been years since it had been ever been written or read. That's crazy. But that's what happened here. And it led to a time of repentance and a renewal of the covenant and really a revival in the land and idols started coming down and altars were destroyed and they they came back to God. The, The Word of God is so important in a revival. There have been quite a few revival songs written in the last few years. 
I started searching for those uh, yesterday during this time with God. God, a revival, Bethel Music. I need revival by a, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a group, uh, a VU. Have you heard of that? Short for Rendezvous, church down in Florida, I think. Revival by Gregory Porter uh, uh, coming out of uh, kind of the racial justice movement. And, and then this is our revival song uh, by Movement Music. Uh, the first line of that song it goes this way. This is our revival song. Every generation has its own. And it made me think of the one that I think I grew up with as a revival song. It was a hymn, Revive Us Again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. That was our song. Revival. A turning from sin, a turning, a returning to God. Here's the question I asked myself yesterday morning. Do I even believe it can happen? Do you? I will confess something. Years and years and years of trying to stir people has made me a little skeptical. If I'm honest, do we even think we need it? Well, I do. Do you? To revive, to bring back to life, to bring back a spiritual fervor, a passion, depth, a love that has grown weak or cold or dead. Is the church today in these United States as strong and alive and growing as it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago? I don't think so. More important question, are you as alive and strong and growing as you were 20 years ago? As you were when you came to that saving faith in Christ? Am I? I'm asking myself that these days. Have for the last several years, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Revival at Asbury University is in the news. Interesting that it's at Asbury University and not at Asbury Seminary. You thought about that? Those are two distinct institutions. Asbury University, named after Francis Asbury, Methodist Episcopal preacher and leader, late 18th century into the 19th century. At his height in his preaching ministry, he traveled 6,000 miles a year on horseback or in carriage, preaching almost every day. The Methodist Church in these United States under his leadership went from 1,200 members to 214,000 members in his leadership. Francis Asbury was the product of a Wesleyan revival in England, that's where he was born, that hopped the pond along with him and others. 
That revival produced uh, Wesley's Methodists, actually a term of derision uh, used to describe them because they were so methodical in their devotion to Christ. They were meeting all the time and praying all the time and preaching all the time and doing good all the time. Those Methodists. And we know uh, that revival and Methodism for its uh, Wesleyan music, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing and all that, and the outdoor preaching, uh, literally John Wesley, and I don't know how in the world you do it without a microphone to thousands out on the hillside. But just as important in that revival, just as important in sustaining the fruit of that revival were the class meetings and the bands, the small groups who met to open God's Word and to pray together and to keep each other accountable. Have you ever read the questions that they asked each other in those small groups? Here's a a few of them that they would ask each time they were together. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? I'm just making eye contact with one of you to make you squirm. (laughs) Brian's holding fast, though. He's not squirming. What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? And on the questions go. I mean, nowadays we get together, so how was your week? Yeah, man, what about those chiefs? Yeah. Yeah. But in that Wesleyan revival, the word was preached, and the call to holiness, to a holy life, was revived. The message that by God's grace, we can be sanctified through and through, that he can change us, that we can live life with him and for him, that we can make a difference. And the fruit of that revival was changed lives and a changed society. On the heels of that revival, slavery was abolished in England. Child labor laws were put into place, and, and on it went. Society always benefits from the gospel. Society always benefits from revival. When something's brought back to life, that it's grown weak or cold or dead. Always. Again, these are musings. I'm preaching from my journal here. That Baptist pastor in the article I read in evaluating the genuineness and significance of what's happening at Asbury said, time will tell. And I think he's right. The old timers used to say, it's not how high you jump, it's how far you walk when you come down. (laughs) I'm grateful for what's happening there, but I believe that's true. What would the results of revival be? Well, a revival would be a movement of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness. And and on it goes. Certainly it ought to result in the spread of the gospel. The growth and strengthening of the church. It ought to result in a better world. Differences made in society. Sinners saved? Absolutely. It has been in times past but perhaps because Christians are showing and telling the gospel more. I asked myself this question yesterday morning. Who makes the first move, God or us? I mean, do you think about that? Did God just show up like we like to say? 
were the students at Asbury simply there at the right place and the right time? Thought about that conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus, John chapter 3, when he said, trying to explain being born again, the spirit blows, the, the wind blows wherever it will, wherever it pleases. I'm not sure the answer to that question, but I am sure the promises of God. James said it, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Jeremiah the word of the Lord through that prophet, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If my people who are called by my name will, then I will keep coming back to it's our repentance, our humility, our seeking God, asking God for forgiveness and turning from anything that misses the mark. And asking Him to change us and making ourselves available to all the means of grace that He's given to us that gives God the opportunity to revive, to refresh, to renew, to restore. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't kick it in. We give God the opportunity. What sparked the Asbury Revival? If you search that, you may get the message that, quote, triggered the uh, continuous chapel services there, that revival. Uh, I listened to that message. Anybody else? I listened to that message yesterday. Here was my first reaction. Classic millennial message. He's saying cool about every other word. He's wearing tennis shoes. He's got his shirt untucked. It wasn't very good content, and on it went for me. And it reminded me of a day years ago when I was sitting in the Grandview Church of the Nazarene, a uh, young know-it-all seminary student listening to what I thought was the worst message I had ever heard in my life. And when that message was done, the preacher gave an altar call, and out from this row, about where Isaac's sitting, came a man that that church had been praying for for 20 years that rededicated his life to Christ. And, and God said to that young uh, know-it-all seminary and me, huh, yeah, what about that? If it depends on my good for performance or, or a preacher's good performance to to move, then we're all up a creek without a paddle, right? And that young guy named Zach, uh, I think a minister of outreach at a local Christian Missionary Alliance, and he must be maybe either, either a special chapel speaker there or on staff part-time with the, the university, uh, preached a good message from the heart, from the Word. Romans chapter 12, 13 verses, 30 commands, and it all came down to, you know, love. And, and somewhere in the middle of that message, he started talking about those that perhaps had experienced a, quote, love that wasn't love at all and the hurt and the, the wound that that may, may cause. And I don't know but that it wasn't that that triggered some response at the end of that service. But God used that. It may be that message opened the door for what's happening still yet today. 
It may have been one person in the crowd, one repentant sinner that came forward to give their life to Christ or rededicate their life to Christ. It may have been one wounded soul who came forward to kneel at an altar of prayer to ask God to heal them. Who who can know? I do think many of us, when we think of revival, think of something like what's happening at Asbury. I've been in some services and experienced some seasons when God moved in that way. I'm flashing back right now to a service uh, during a J term, a trip from college in the Syracuse First Church of the Nazarene, Syracuse, New York. And it was just one of those services where, wow, I mean, you just, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Another service that Kelly and I attended as pastors in Wollaston Church of the Nazarene on the campus of Eastern Nazarene College, Boston. And we sang, and can it be twice? <laughs> and people were in the aisles and just shouting and praising God. And, and those are the kinds of services you just don't want to leave. Seasons when, uh, and it was the practice of Nazarene churches that I grew up in, you'd give an altar call and, and they'd just come. The altars were filled. Seasons when that was happening. And my prayer would be, uh, Lord, do it again. Amen. Then I asked myself yesterday morning, why can't revival come around the table today when we uh, eat together with glad and sincere hearts? I believe it can. I believe revival could happen in conversations where we resolve differences we have that linger still today that go back years. I believe we could experience revival in Sunday school classes and small groups when we get real with each other and pray for each other, get hungry for His Word, hungry for Him. I believe revival can come in services we've planned with an order under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I believe revival can come in quiet times alone with God as we begin a day in prayer, in His Word, in worship. Because revival, renewal, restoration, refreshing isn't about what's going on out here so much as what is happening in here. My alma mater sent a bus or two down to Asbury, and I can understand that. Maybe Larry and Lori will go from here. Be a good thing. But God's here just as much as He's there. I think it's up to us. Paul said we can be renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, 
Reality is, our faith never needs to get weak. Our devotion never needs to wane. Our passion never needs to go cold. Amen? But there's little doubt we need revival these days. I'll repeat a question. Do you believe God can revive us again? Fill each heart with his love. Rekindle souls. Are we asking for it? Are we hungry for it? What are we willing to do to see that happen? What am I, I'm asking myself, what am I willing to do to see that happen in me? Perhaps we've landed on our focus for the Lenten season. Some of you may not be familiar with the Lenten season or the Advent season. Two sacred times in a uh, Christian calendar year when we prepare our hearts for the celebrations of Christmas and Easter. Traditionally a time of prayer and fasting, of seeking God, of self-examination, of repentance. And also of giving to the poor, by the way, doing good. Time of self-sacrifice and self-denial. Ash Wednesday is that uh, day that opens the door in that Lenten season. Forty days. Same amount of time that Jesus spent in preparation for his public ministry as he was tested in the wilderness as he fasted and prayed. Maybe we've landed on our focus for the Lenten season. And I can tell you this, for the second straight year on the heels of the Lenten season, the larger church that we're a part of, the Church of the Nazarene, is calling us to prayer between Easter and Pentecost. Prayers uh, that would result in a refilling of God's Holy Spirit in His church for these challenging days. Maybe we start today. Is there anything that you need to turn from these days? Any sin that has not been confessed to God? Is there any struggle that you're engaged in, that you're trying to do on your own? Any unresolved issues with others? Is my heart completely open to God? One more scripture. It's one I have often gone back to through the years. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. The word of the Lord through that prophet. So... For yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, the old King James fallow ground, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. Makes me think of one of the old hymns uh, 
Something about mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. I will confess my own need for refreshing, renewing. I want to have passion for Christ to the end. I want to have a deep love for him and others to the end. Life can wear you down. It can. And we need that refreshing. We, we need that renewal. We, we need that revival at times. I'm thinking about uh, our garden back in our backyard at home. I don't know if we'll ever get back there. One of these days we might. If we get back there in time to plant a garden this year, you know what we're going to have to do? First thing, we'll have to till that up. We go out there and just try to plant seeds in that garden now. I mean, it's, it's laid fallow for about a year and a half. Um, got some weeds, no doubt. Shoot, it might be growing grass by now. <laughs> We're going to have to plow it up. And that's what uh, Hosea said. Our hearts have to be ready. Are yours? Are you hungry? I think I'd like uh, us to to stand, if we would. I know we've got a lunch waiting for us, don't we? (laughs) I've got those words to that hymn. I hope I can read them. I might have to come out and... How many know that old hymn, Revive Us Again? Now, Lori, thank you for that beautiful hymn of heaven that you had ready for me. I'm uh, hoping to preach that direction next week, and so I want that ready for next week, too. It's a beautiful one, but for those of us that know this, could we just uh, sing this? And uh, these altars are open if you'd like to come and pray. Do. Let the Lord lead, but I... I really believe some things have come together in this season ahead between now and Easter. I think we've got our focus. Let's make this our prayer and our praise today. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God. For thy spirit of light, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sorrows and cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. 
Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Father, that's our prayer. And if it isn't, make it our prayer. Stir desire in us. We pray that you would uh, help us to uh, will and to act according to your good pleasure in these days. Refresh, renew, Revive us. And may it begin with me. We need you, Father. We offer ourselves for the season ahead. God, uh, your kingdom come. Your will be done right here. In me, in us, as it is in heaven. Thank you. Father, for all your promises. Thank you for being a father that wants to give us the Holy Spirit in his fullness. Give us a hunger for him, I pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think what I'd like to do is just allow those that... Uh, Need to get us ready for our meal to do that. Uh, we'll consider, God, thank you for the food. <laughs> there you have it. And that way we can linger around the front here to pray if we'd like. And uh, you can begin to get ready for that uh, dinner, which is just as sacred as anything we'll do today. Amen. So uh, uh, just move about this space and uh, let's just be quiet for a bit. And... Uh, Maintain this sacred, sacred atmosphere. Amen. Thank you so much. Sweetest sounding thing, but there's something about.